This is a conversation with Rocco Stagnitti. He is a very good friend of mine who is a co-host of the podcast Jumper Punch and also a fellow actor like myself, which is actually how we met. And I use the term actor very loosely, mainly for myself, because he is a better actor than I. And Rocco, if you are listening to this, my friend, I absolutely love you, brother. And I thank you and everyone else for checking out this episode of the 3D Session. I hope you enjoy. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm sitting here with Rocco. How are you, man? Hey, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> I love your energy, dude. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of energy just in general. Uh, that's uh, the way you should be, mate. The way you should be. Before we start, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> right, man. Congratulations on starting this. Mm-hmm. Um. Man, it takes some balls to get out there and do stuff. I'll give you a bit of bloody Rocco insight before we start. Uh, man, the easiest thing to do in life is nothing. Man, and to get out there and do something, and even if it's a small podcast, man, well done, man. I'm proud of you, buddy. Oh, thank you. Well, you've got a podcast yourself. Uh, how's your podcast going, by the way? Yeah, yeah, very good. So it's a YouTube show. So it's uh, it's a YouTube show. Yeah, so that's going uh, really good. Yeah, it's been going for two years now. So it's been, uh, yeah, kicking along very nicely, very nicely. Yeah, grew grew pretty big last year. So happy with the way it's going, yeah. And for anyone who wants to find this YouTube channel, what's it called? So it's the Jumper Punch. It's the Jumper Punch. It's on the Blue Abroad channel. So, yeah, it's a Carlton-centric football uh we say it's the couch and um, the front bar put together. So it's me and a couple of mates. We've got a studio at home, so we get down and we have it's a bit of a variety show, a bit of a yeah. We bag carton the whole time, and um, <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. So the jumper punch, everyone get onto it. Well, as you can see, oh, you probably already know. I'm not a huge AFL fan myself, but. Judging by the jersey I'm I wearing, you, could, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. probably know what I support. I'm a big yeah. NFL man myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go Aaron Rodgers. I heard he's actually, this might be his last season. I hope it's not because we wasted a whole lot of money for him to stay on our roster. And I think it was a pretty bad choice for our roster pick. I think we could have done a lot better instead of wasting. Look, he is the MVP. He's a good guy and probably... The second best quarterback next to Aaron Rodgers currently. Uh, next to Aaron Rodgers. Next to Tom Brady, sorry. Oh, Tom Brady. Yes. Yeah, the old Tom Brady. Yeah. He's uh, back, is he? Is he? Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he ended up coming back for another season. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been playing that much, though. Uh, I'm not too sure what's been happening. I have been following the season. Not too much. Look, it's going to be... Uh, I'm going to stab myself in the heart here, but I didn't get this year's nfl game pass oh, they, no. <laughs> no. I, I think they put the price up um because last year when i got it i only paid like i think it was 100 bucks for the whole year and now well they were asking for like 300 dollars. really for the year scammers i reckon that they're shit man what are they Putting up the price three times. The scammers, and they know people will pay. That's the problem, man. It's the same with the AFL and that, with their foul packages and KO and that. They know you're going to pay. So, yeah, yeah. I um, I was going to get KO, but KO unfortunately don't have all the NFL games on it, uh, which was a bit 
it's a bit... That's Reglu price, Kaya. It's about $30 odd. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get it for... um. So the rugby's on it now. Or actually, rugby ended up moving to Stan, Stan Sports. Oh, another one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've got like about 20 different bloody Stan. I've got like Netflix. I've got them all, man. They're all like 9 or 10 or $12. But you add them up all together. Yeah, yeah. What's with these streaming services? Why are there so many now? It's the way to go, I think. I think, like, to me, commercial TV's gone. You know, even radio is gone. This is the new the new way now, isn't it? Everything's getting streamed or everything's on YouTube now. You know, everyone wants everything instantly and they want to watch it when they want to watch it. So I think it's just the way it is, man. It's just the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. Yeah, I mean, what is it? you got Netflix, Stan... Disney, binge. Uh, binge, yeah, binge is that new one where you got House of the Dragon. I still haven't watched that. I heard it's pretty good. I know yeah. in the first episode. Now this is going to be a bit of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched it. So skip yeah. over the next. And that's the thing. You got one series that you want to watch. For example, uh, I'm a big like Breaking Bad fan, right? I love it, you know. And then um, Better Call Saul come out, you know. But the only place that's on is Stan. Mm-hmm. So I've got to get Stan just to watch that, you know what I mean? And I don't watch anything else on Stan except for that one there, you know. So, so yeah, they get you. They get you. There's, there's always, there's new one. There's that Hulu. I think there's another one now just come out. Oh, man, there's so many of them. I think Hulu's been out for a while. Yeah. Look, I never got into Hulu. There was nothing really on it. That, uh... To tell you the truth, there's nothing on anything. Like usually, I get with my girlfriend and I say, "Let's uh, let's uh, sit down tonight and um, let's just go through and see what we can watch," and then we end up watching nothing, you know, because you still can't find anything you like, you know. So, mm. well, you know what? It's really strange that we have such a wide variety of streaming services, yet we have nothing to watch, as you said. No. But if you go back to let's just say eighties, nineties, early two thousands, when we had the video stores you could guarantee you're going to find two or three movies that you will 100% watch that night. 100%. That's what it was. And we were just talking about this with uh, with some uh, guys who are all about my age. Um, Yeah, Friday night, used to go down to the movie store to the Blockbuster and used to look down and used to go and find like two or three or five movies for the weekend and used to go home and and watch the movies. Now, there's, there's so much we don't know what we want anymore like it's it's unbelievable i think i think that's the way society has come about now that's that's what it's all about we've got so much that we don't know what we want anymore you know when when we were kids we just had enough you know like we had a video we had a computer you know what i mean that's all we needed we used to go outside to play you know now they don't go outside anymore there's just too much variety you know you got the kids have got everything these days, haven't they? They've got their PlayStations, they've got their phones, their computers. No one can sit quietly and do nothing anymore. I think that's gone. Have you, like, not even me. I need my phone now. Even if I sit down for like two minutes, I take out my phone and start looking through it. So I think we've lost the art of just sitting there and just doing nothing, you know, so... Well, it's really funny. Um, so uh, next week, as I told you, I've got a psychiatrist coming on my podcast, uh, Dr. Ben Bullock. I can't wait to talk to him. But one of the things I want to talk to him on is ADHD. And what's really 
funny that you brought up was not being uh not being with uh not being without some sort of stimulant so yeah. our phones or tv or yep. just something in our hands that we can stare at and take our attention away it's actually been shown that smartphones can induce adhd like symptoms and there's been published articles on this i don't know how many there are this is something i heard on another podcast but the guy that spoke about it on his podcast andrew huberman he is a neurologist so he's definitely going to know his stuff he's going to know what he's talking about but that's insane so the fact that all of us everyone who has a phone who stares at it all the time can have some sort of induced ADHD symptoms. Look, I'm not saying it's going to cause ADHD. I don't know. I'm not a doctor or a neurologist for that matter. Um, That it can induce these ADHD-like symptoms. And ADHD isn't a uh, chronological disease that you mess around with. Um, And it is very surprising that phones can do such a thing. I think we're just as humans. This is the natural evolution of how we're how we're going. You know, I think this is just the way it's going to be, and I think it's it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse. You know, we just as you said, we always need to be stimulated. Now we can't just sit there and do nothing anymore. Sit down and stare at the sky. You know, it just it doesn't happen. Kids, kids these days. I've got younger kids, man. It, there's not, and even like you sit down to dinner, and if there's any sort of break, they've got their phones out. Mm. They're looking at it, and they're always and they're always looking for uh, if anyone's on, if anyone's responded to them, if they're getting likes. They're always looking for some sort of uh, acknowledgement by someone. It's it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's a weird it's a weird place we've got to. I think you bring up. Uh, our evolution what do you think our next one is where do you think we go from here oh that's a strange one so we're definitely going to uh so definitely the technology that's the evolution i i'm a great believer in the ai and the singular <laughs> i see you laughing yeah no well we're already there we're already there so we're already half ai because if you think about it you got your phone now you know, the only difference is that you carry it in your hand. The next step is they're going to put it into your head and that'll be it. You know, like you're already, I reckon you're already halfway there. So you think about it. You got your phone. You you can look up anything. You've got a, a whole world of information in your hand. Not only that, you've also got, for example, your memory's better because now you've got all your photos and everything on your on your phone so you can quickly go back and look at a photo of 10 years ago you know and instantly remember or bring back memories um you know everything's on your phone so i think we're already halfway there and i think uh yeah that's where we're heading to i reckon that's where we're heading to i spoke to a guy who uh specializes in artificial intelligence i spoke to him about I unfortunately couldn't get the recording. Uh, we did it uh, via, I think it was via Zoom. Um, unfortunately, the recording uh, didn't record, don't know why, uh, but I digress, I won't go into that. So I had a conversation with him and 
he says that he doesn't think uh, super artificial intelligence will exist. I think that's what you're talking about. So an, an intelligence that has its own sort of consciousness. What he thinks is it will just be a very advanced program because that's what all AI is. It's just programming. Humans program AI. But he didn't deny that an artificial intelligence could get so intelligent that it couldn't continuously program itself, which is what concerns me. Now, look, this probably won't happen in our lifetime, but it does make me concerned for my my next generation, like my kid or their kid, because obviously as the generations go on, the more likelihood of it happening in their generation continues. Um, which actually, before I get into that, I don't think I've told you that I'm having a son. <laughs> um, I think you did. Oh, I did? I think you oh, did. okay. Oh, I didn't uh, think I told you. Sorry. No, no, I think you did. I think you did. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, thank you. Oh, that's sorry the next to... step. That's the next step in life, yeah. But getting back to what I was saying, yeah, look, I agree with him. I don't think that it'll be a super artificial intelligence, but I do think we will get to a point where a self-programming artificial intelligence will be able to look at humans and see if we are still worthy, I guess. I don't like I don't want to use the word worthy. It's the only word I can sort of think of at the moment. Yep. And by worthy I mean for the planet, because at the end of the day we're going to program an AI to help the planet. And we just destroy the planet. So I think yep. its next step would just to be, well, if I want to help this planet, I need to get rid of this bacteria, which is what we came from. We are just a, we are just one big bacteria oh, killing the planet. We're just a bacteria that's infecting the universe. That's that's why I look at it. Well, the universe is definitely probably not the next step, but the next step after that. Obviously, uh, Elon Musk wants to make us planetary, so go into Mars, and then the next step from that is obviously. That- that I can't see happening anytime really? soon. No, it'd be too hard. But um, with the AI, uh, with all due respect to your friend there, I disagree with him. Because if you think about it, a mm-hmm. uh, hundred years ago, I think the car was only, I think the TV come out in the 40s or 50s, I mean. And then we, what was it, early century was when the Wright brothers first flew and now we're you know we've sent voyager one and voyager two past our solar system and they're still traveling you know so imagine in a thousand years of technology they say they say technology doubles every like 10 years or something or is it every couple years i don't know i must have my numbers wrong there but it it goes pretty quick right so imagine in a imagine in a hundred years imagine in 500 years, imagine in a thousand years, think about it. I think it, uh, the technology is going to be so, so advanced. Um, I think it's in, in ever, in ever, inevitable. That's a hard word to say. I think it's uh, definitely going to happen. So, anyway, but what do I know? And you know what? I'm not going to be around for anyone to prove me wrong, but I think that, um, yeah, it'll definitely, it'll definitely, I think that's what we humans are made for. Hmm. I think because why are we here? All we do is we we make stuff. We just we just produce stuff. That's all we do. We just produce stuff and make it bigger and better, and make more of it. Why are we here? That's a big 
question. Uh, I don't think the question, why are we here, is the correct question. What's the correct question? I think the correct question is, and I think, well, look, it's a subjective answer, but I think the correct question is, why am I here? I think that should be the question, and I think it is self-explanatory because people have their own specific goals and their own specific dreams. So I think the question should be, why am I here? And I don't think any being gives you this answer. I think you give you this answer. I think you find this answer through your own journey, through your own experience. Individually, yes. Individually, yes. But we're a bit like... um, just let's let's pick a let's pick an animal something like a butterfly you know like or a, a like a a caterpillar you know a caterpillar makes its cocoon and does it really know what it's doing does it really know what the end result's going to be or does it just it just happens and all of a sudden this beautiful butterfly comes out i just think that humans i don't know we're here just to make things. I don't know. We just make things. That's all we do. We just make things bigger and better and we just make it more and more and more until the end result would be... I don't know what the end result will be. Well, going on top of... I don't think... We're not the only things that build things. Obviously, you have bees that build hives to further... But they don't build a better hive they build a bigger hive yeah but they don't build a better hive no you're right they don't build we are the only creatures that we have observed that push beyond our own needs and by push beyond our own needs obviously if you come back earlier on we probably didn't need to go further than we did other than medicine and stuff like that we probably didn't need to go further than we already had but we are consumers we are major consumers and we always want more and more and more. You're right. However, to say that we are the only creatures that do it on this planet... Well, we we can only talk about what we know <laughs> and what we see. Yeah. We can't talk about what's, what's out there and anything could be possibly out there and who knows what, what it's like. But all I can talk about is what I can see and there's no other creature that just... I might be wrong that I can think of that just that just keeps on trying to build something better and bigger and improve. So anyway, it's one of those questions that we're never going to be able to answer. Not no. now, anyway. No, it's not def- during this podcast. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, a UFO could land in the middle of my backyard. It's a pretty small backyard, but hey, you don't know how big those ships are. It could. It could. <laughs> what do you think, UFOs? What do you think about UFOs? You think there are... There's two questions. You think... Well, UFO stands for unidentified flying objects. So there's definitely unidentified flying objects, yeah? Mm-hmm. But um, do you think... Do you think there's alien form out there, life? Yes. Which is the big question. And the second question is, have they visited us? First question is yes. I do believe there are alien life. The universe is far too massive and there are far too many planets 
So there are trillions of stars out there, correct? And each star has its own set of planets. I've spoke to this, uh, I spoke about this with a physicist who was on my podcast. And he says, if you think about it mathematically, the chances of us being the only life are so astronomically small, so small that... goes beyond what we could probably calculate that's not exactly what he said i'm just paraphrasing have they visited us i don't know uh there is some evidence but whether here's the thing here's something that bothers me a little bit now the government has recently come out stating that there is alien life we have all these videos why would they suddenly come out about it and keep it secretly for so long before that? That's what that's what gives a bit of mixed feelings in me because when they start to say that these things are real, it makes me question saying, wait, have they now? Because if they're going to say it does exist, even though you could go back two years ago, they said it didn't, why are you suddenly coming out about it? There has been some videos of that, especially by... Um uh, like the the US, like uh, Air Force and the Marines and videos have come out with these uh, certain, they don't call them UFOs anymore. They call them something else. Yeah, they call them uh, UAPs. They definitely call them something else. Now, I think UFOs got this bad name to it now, so they call them something else. But they have observed them and they're like, uh, what were they? They were like, box-shaped, uh, like, aircrafts. Yeah, I know what they, you're talking that about. they saw on their radar, and they've seen them visually. And, um, you know, they seem to be moving in a way that they, it's not explained how, how the moves, they've, even through their infrared, there was no heat wave around them, so they couldn't understand how... It's getting its thrust and that. So, and these videos are out there, and you can you can see them. So you kind of like start questioning, but then you, the question is: is it is it outside of this world, or is it is it our own people that are making stuff and and we don't know about it? You know, so so that's the question that we don't know. But anyway, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Have you heard of the gimbal? Yes. That's that's one of them, yeah. The gimbal's one of them, yeah. That's, for me, the one that freaks me out the most, whether they've been here or not. Yeah. But again, you're right, it could just be our own uh, government playing tricks on us. So it's not our own, but yeah. any government, I guess. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the one where a US Air Force pilot caught yeah. it on his camera. And then it was, I don't know how high they were. I think it was like 30,000 feet or something. And then it literally dropped to 1,000 feet in like a second. Yeah, and it also went into the ocean. Like, was that the same one that's like it dove into the ocean? So, Not sure if that one was the gimbal. I have heard of that one, though. There are conspiracies. But it's funny because you're right. So there's these sort of like eyewitnesses and there is some sort of video and that. So it's interesting because um, in the 60s and 70s, like those sort of sightings, I take no no credibility on them. You know, it's always 
some farmer in the middle of Texas that they seem to visit and probe, you know, like it's never anything serious, you know, like it's some, some weirdo telling you a story. But these are reputable people that are talking. We're talking pilots and Air Force people. I mean, these aren't silly people and they're now telling you these stories. So you've got to take a bit more, you know, like, uh, how do you say, you've got to take a little bit more uh, uh, credit in what they're saying, yeah? So, and they're talking about these uh, unidentified, that they don't even know about, you know, these unidentified objects in the sky that are doing these um, these things that they never heard about they've never seen so look it's definitely changed my mind over the last few years that before that i said no chance but i'm thinking oh i don't know i don't know there's got to be something out there well you say that it's changed your mind Mm. so let me reiterate your questions and throw them back to you yeah so there's definitely there's definitely not, not definitely. As far as I can work out, there has to be something out there. I mean, the universe is way too big. If it's an, if it's infinity, or if there's multi multiverses, you know, like you said, just in our, just in our galaxy, I think there's what a billion billion stars or whatever there is out there. You know, so mm. that's only one galaxy. So there's definitely life form. The the problem is. So why haven't we heard anything? So, like, if I look at life on Earth, it's been around for, what, maybe a couple of million years, I mean, with the with the most simplest form of life, you know, and then we, we evolved to the dinosaurs and that, and then there was, a, there was a meteorite that hit, and then we started again, you know, so... So and now we've got to this stage. So there has to be a lot of luck for us to get to where we are right now. There has to be a lot of luck. I mean, there's another meteorite strike. I mean, it could just wipe everyone off, and we have to start again. Yeah. So what's the chances of another, another, another star with a planet that's got life form that's at the same level as us that send the same sort of signals for us to pick up, or you know, like. The life forms have to kind of match, you know what I mean? Like you think about it, uh, we've been around for 13.5, 14 billion years. You know, what's what if a life form started 5 billion years ago and was around for 2 or 3 billion years and now it's over? We would never know, would we? So the chances of uh, us ever like getting some sort of signal on that I think is very very remote have you seen the story of the amazonian rainforest um so tell me tell me now i bring this up because you talk about starting again so the amazonian rainforest there was a scan they do this sort of infrared type scan where they fly over the amazonian rainforest and they actually found the way it's been sectioned and things underneath it, I'm not quite sure how it works. Yes. And, and the rainforest just, just took over and they yes. never knew it was there. Yeah? Yes. And they've also found certain artifacts. So there was, I'm pretty sure I am remembering this correctly. They found some sort of crystal that had drill-like 
uh, things inside of it. And when scientists observed it, they said that the only thing that could create this kind of incision is a high-powered electrical drill. Yep. Now, this crystal is thousands of years old. So there is theory saying that we could have had futuristic or us-like technology at one time, but some sort of disaster happened, yep. which then the rainforest took over whatever they were building. Yep. What do you think? Yeah, no, quite possibly. Like, you just don't know. It's quite possibly. As you said, like, we've been around this, what, what's Earth, about the four billion, four and a half billion year mark, man. So we can't even comprehend those kind of times, four billion years. You know, we live for, what, 100 years? We can't comprehend four billion years. If you're years. lucky. Hey? If you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah, yeah. that's right. If you're lucky, it's 100, <laughs> yeah. Telling out, I reckon I'll get to 60, but anyway. Uh, how so, old are you? Fifty nine now. Yeah, about fifty eight. <laughs> no, I'm about fifty two. So there's not there's not there's not long to go. Um, yeah. So definitely, definitely, there there could there's too many too many questions that haven't been answered yet. Yeah. So even the pyramids and that, you know, like everyone speculates on how they're done and you know, and then sometimes they come up with same sort of thing. I think I've seen that with the Egyptians too, where they've shown certain markings on the rocks where it just, I mean, it was a Bronze Age at the time. How were they getting these sort of like cuts and that? So, look, it's interesting. It's interesting, yeah. Yeah, the Egyptian ones, another incredible one with the pyramids and everything. They don't even understand, obviously, manpower is one answer but the amount of manpower it would have taken to yeah. move that much stone yeah. and concrete i mean did they have that much manpower and what did they have ropes actually thick enough to wrap around that kind of concrete and pull it up that much vertically well, that's, that's the question, how they got it up there, you know. So that's the question, you know. Like, even with the ramps, if they say they got ramps to get to the top. What I did mean, they use the to go up the ramp? bigger than the pyramids, you know, because you can, you can only go a certain angle. Um, yeah, look, there's there's many questions, even even the how precise they were. And I think I saw today the speed of light is like, 299,458.52, that could be, it was close to that anyway. Um, and their, I think it's their lot, you know, their, where the pyramid is on the earth, so the, what is it, the longitude and the, and the latitude, yeah. is the exact number of the speed of light. So I'm going to have to, like, make sure that was correct what I read today, but... Um, if that's the case, if that's the case, I that's think that's like how would you even get that? You know, like because they wouldn't have even known that. How would you even like work out the speed of light? Yeah. Well, if that's the case, I reckon we should stop this podcast, get our conspiracy theory hats, and yeah. do a deep dive. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. No, no, no. It's a good conspiracies are good, but good. Con I'm not really a conspiracist. Is that the word? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist either. Look, all these thoughts are very fun to have. Yeah. Sometimes they can be a little 
vacuumy. Yeah, of course. They can suck you in quite a lot. Yeah. And there are, you know, quote unquote coincidences that make you say, holy shit. But there was one video I watched where there was a guy standing, I'm not too sure how far away he was from the pyramid, but he showed that when he clapped, the sound goes into the pyramid and actually comes back out. So I don't know if you've seen this video. Um, I watched it quite some time ago, but it's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Like, What would that be used for? Well, that's the whole thing too. Like they don't even know, they keep saying it's a tomb. I think that's the most likely theory or hypothesis, maybe. Hypothesis, yeah. Yeah, maybe, but they're still not 100% sure was it a, was it a tomb because there's so many, like, so many, uh, like, uh, rooms in there and channels and that. So, look, the pyramids, I definitely want to go to Egypt to, uh, I definitely want to see them, you know. So, do you know the pyramids that big and heavy? It's that big and heavy that if uh, time actually slows down when you're standing near it. What? Did you know that? So with time, time is relevant. You know that. So time is relevant of where you are, right? Mm-hmm. So naturally time slows down with gravity and with speed. So the mass of the pyramid slows down time. Yeah. Now... It's not enough for you to notice. Like you're not going to go there, and time slows down. But if you have an atomic watch, there is a difference. That's how heavy that is. Well, that does make some sort of sense because they do say the higher you climb up a mountain, um, time slows down. And the, the uh, if we left Earth, unless you say we're getting closer to a black hole, yeah, the sure. amount of map. Obviously, we can't go near a black hole. But it, the amount of mass it has would slow down time so f- so quickly for us. When we came back, just say we went there for a second and came back, 500 years could have passed. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's exactly accurate. Yeah, but there is a time difference. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and that's Einstein's you know, theory of relativity. Is that the word? Relativity. So, well, yeah, he didn't so, even believe in black holes. Well, no, no, at the start. At the start, he didn't even believe in black holes because the numbers didn't just add up, yeah? But um, shows we all have mistakes, of course. And I think that was one of he says that's one of his greatest, his greatest inventions was, uh, greatest mistakes was was one of his greatest inventions was not thinking that there's any black holes, you know. And you know what was said to him? What was that? That's why they put erasers on the back of pencils. That's exactly right, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, because it's not about the mistake, you know. It's about learning from them. But it's the same with satellites, you know, like satellites, um, you know, because satellites is uh, your GPS. Like if you put a clock on there, it actually goes slower than a clock on the earth. And that's why they have to adjust it. Or else your GPS on earth, you'd be, it'll within seconds, it'll be displaying the wrong place, you know, because the time difference, there's a, there's a, you know, a microsecond of time difference, you know, between the speed of the satellite and you on Earth. So that just proves that, that um, yeah, that time does slow down, you know. So is that, that begs the question, is time real? Like, does it really exist? Well, is time just a human perception? That's right. Because if it can stop, like in the center of a black hole, practically stop time, they say can stand still 
don't know. Is it, it, that's why they say it's rel- relative to where you are and what you're doing, you know? So, so. Yeah, time being a human perception because if you ask a dog what the time is, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't care. You know, it. We're saying the dog's one years old, two years old. You're fifty-two years old. I'm twenty-eight years old. These are all human subjective yeah, uh, relativities, if that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> but to every other living organism, time doesn't mean a thing. No. No. Does a dog know it's going to die? I think a dog knows it's going to die when the time is when the time is near. I think it starts to understand. I don't think it does. I think it's got no perception of death. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't think it thinks, oh, I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here no more. Well, have you seen, I've seen videos of, there was, I'll go to one video here, where there was a guy in a hospital and he was dying. They were going to take the life support off him. Yeah. And they brought in his dog to say goodbye and you could clearly see the dog was in extreme stress but is it that because the dog has you know how a dog can can pick your senses like how you're feeling and that so is that because the dog just can tell that you're not happy like you're feeling down like does it understand that you're going to be gone forever are you talking emotion What's that? Are you talking, it can sense emotion? Emotion, yeah. So it senses emotion. So naturally, if you walk into a room and you're pumped, you know, the dog straight away feels that energy. And, it, and like I know when I get home, if, I've, if I'm in a bad mood, my dog comes up to me and then walks away. You know, like it knows that, oh, he's not in a good mood today, you know. And then when I'm pumped, if I just come in, then, hey, girl, you know, straight away, man, she's pumped, you know. So... And sometimes I'm just sitting there and the dog will just come and sit next to me quietly, you know. So is that because it's feeling that emotion? I don't think it knows that you're going to die and never come back. Why does a dog then, you know, you heard those stories where a dog waits for a, for an owner when they've been, you know, they go away or something. You've heard about the dog who waits at the train station or something. For All it's doing is waiting for its owner to come back. I don't think it realises it died. Yeah, I'm. Look, I suppose we'll. I suppose we'll get a dog expert on. <laughs> and we have to ask that question. I suppose we'll never really know that. Um, a dog behaviorist. If there's any dog behaviorists out there, please contact me. You can come on the podcast more answer this question. Yeah. But there are incidences where they take dogs to cemeteries to visit the person who's passed away. And the dog has shown remorse. But does it know it died? Does he know this individual's dead underneath the ground? Or is it just missing it? Like it just wants him back, you know? Suppose you you can't ask the dog that. (laughs) And look, if someone does ask a dog and it gives an answer, I think you've I think you've just become a millionaire, you got a talking dog. (laughs) The dog can give you an answer exactly right. Yeah, Yeah, I d I don't know. It's a it's a tough question to answer. Um, I don't think yeah it really can't be answered. I guess no, but it can definitely be talked about like we we are now. <laughs> what what a strange conversation! <laughs> no, these are the best conversations. No, nah, they are. They definitely are. Um, 
my favorite, I would like to get, because you're an older generation guy. Look, I'm not calling you old, but you're in your 50s. You sort of know the generation of the 80s, bit of the 70s, mate, yeah. not really in the 60s. You're, no, no, not yeah. 60s. I was, um, I was born in 1970, so definitely 70s and 80s and yeah. 90s, yeah. What is your, because I've I, I talked to my friend about this. Uh, he's my age, so we definitely have different set of opinions on this subject compared to you. What is your opinion on psychedelics? The drugs. Yeah. In what in what sense? Like what do you want to know about them? Like what, it, what, what is know? what is your opinion on them being used medically and recreationally? I think there's a place for them. I think there's a place for them. So I think there's a place for them. I think there's a place. Definitely medically, like even marijuana has been proven that there is some medical, you know, like advantages to uh, for marijuana, especially with certain, you know, like certain terminal diseases and things like that. Um, psychedelics. Well, you know, marijuana is a psychoactive drug, right? Yeah. 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 So that that begs the question. So it opens up something, you know, like when you're taking them. So your brain is full of chemicals and and uh, neurons, and I don't know if I'm using even the right term. No, you're fine. You're fine. There, yeah, but, yeah. But so, and then when you do take these like, psychedelic drugs, they do open up something, or they they awaken something in your brain. So I definitely think there's a place for them if they're used correctly. So by correctly, do you mean in a medical sense? Definitely medical. There has been... Recreational, yeah, I could could see. I'm a big proponent for... I'm not telling. Now, before I get into this, I am not telling people to take psychedelics. I'm not telling people to go out there, find your nearest mushroom and take it. I'm not saying any of this. What I am saying is there has been a lot of evidence, especially in psilocybin, that it helps not only completely disappear addiction, but also anxiety and depression. It gives... Now, psilocybin is from mushrooms. You get this from certain mushrooms. There are obviously other mushrooms that have different components other than psilocybin. Then you got DMT and ayahuasca, but that's a different story. Psilocybin. Now, they say that people with an addiction, I'm not too sure what the percentage is, but most of them end up relapsing all the time. Yep. These are people that go through strenuous AA meetings, strenuous uh, psychology appointments. They go through the norm of what we think getting over addiction is. And then you compare that with people who have taken things like psychedelics, uh, psilocybin, for example. I am forgetting the word to the other one. I don't think it's peyote. There is another one that also helps with fighting addiction, but these people who take these psychedelics have no intuition or need to go back to it it's gone they they that they don't feel it they don't need it there has been evidence showing people who have an addiction to 
drugs and alcohol to completely do the 180 and they don't need it anymore. Yep. And that's so, off one session. So does that mean like if you're addicted, is that is addiction something that can be fixed because is a chemical, you know, like is it something in the brain? Yeah. Are certain people more prone to get it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case and it's chemically induced in your brain or it makes sense that a drug could do something about that because you're just adding another chemical and just changing those you know, the structure of your chemicals in the brain. Well, the drugs they have to fight addiction are addictive in on themselves. They have addictive compounds in them, which is, now I'll give you an example of this. So coming back to ADHD, uh, there's a drug called methylphenidate or Ritalin. You can also take Adderall as well. They usually don't keep people on these drugs for long periods of times because they are highly addictive. And they can also cause withdrawals once you get off them. But these are the best medications or treatments they have for ADHD, right? But there's other ways to help with ADHD. Now, they don't help as well as Ritalin and Adderall. But there are meditative focusing. There is something called Ginkgo Biloba. Um, that's It's a herb. Um has been shown to modulate, not exactly completely help with ADHD, but it can modulate it a little bit, some of its symptoms. There are other things such as uh, uh, alpha GPC, which has been shown to help with attention. But what I'm trying to say is there are other alternative ways of doing it. I'm not trying to tell... (laughs) I'm not trying to tell people how they should be treating their cognitive disorder. All I'm saying is there are other ways of doing it. Look, if you do have ADHD or if you do have some sort of cognitive disorder, I would always recommend going to see a doctor. (coughs) Excuse me. You're excused. (laughs) Um, Going to see a doctor or going to see a psychologist about your issues, but... All I'm trying to say is there are different things you can use. Now, getting back to psychedelics, uh, specifically what I'd like to talk about is psilocybin, specifically because... So, you can actually look this up online. On the chart of all the drugs we have, psilocybin is amongst the lowest in terms of its effects on us. And number one is alcohol. So why do we have something like alcohol legal and not psilocybin? There's a conspiracy theory in itself, isn't there? (laughs) That's a conspiracy. Why is alcohol legal and marijuana isn't or or psilocybin? There, yeah. Well, it's all about money, isn't it? At the end of the day, I've been around people when they're drunk, as if you have. I'm sure you have. Look, I haven't got anything against alcohol. I would recommend people not overindulging it look if you if you had a long day at work you want to come home and you want to tie one on just because you want to relax fair enough but i'm not for people getting absolutely obliterated on it i've yeah. seen the way people act it 
pretty much turns off your prefrontal cortex, which is your logical thinking part of your brain that makes you very emotional. Yep. So that's why people are usually hyper aggressive. Yep. Or just aggressive or overly emotional where they get sad. Yeah. Or they fall in love. <laughs> well, most of the time, I'm not too statistically sure how accurate this is. Most people that commit suicide are usually drunk when they do it. Yeah. But there is another psychedelic called MDMA. Yep, I heard of that, yeah. Which they call it the the love drug because it's actually helped people in the past who have gone that route and have taken it become non-suicidal. Okay. So why is that not legal too? And alcohol still is, which will most likely cause you to commit suicide. Yeah, it's hard to answer, but it all comes down to money, doesn't it? It all comes down to alcohol. They've got a tax on it. They can make some money out of it. Uh, um, yeah, that's the only reason, I think. And drugs is a... It, look, drugs is a funny thing because it divides people. You know what I mean? So as soon as you say drugs... Everyone's got this perception of it, hasn't it? It's all bad. Uh, I blame the 60s. Yeah, I wasn't there. Look, sound like a good Neither time. was I. <laughs> yeah, it like a good time. So look, it's hard to say, yeah, so that'll be something. But I think more and more, and more drugs are becoming legal, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, in a way, marijuana is definitely one of the ones that has had the foot a little eased off its throat and has become a little more accepted. Um, Especially over in the States and that. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of States now that, that it's legal. Well, I'll give you an example. So when I was over in the States, there is a hemp shop. Yep. So I went to Hawaii. There was a hemp shop there. You could actually buy uh, THC, THC joints. Yep. Um, I actually bought three bottles of CBD oil. And brought them back here because CBD oil is actually legal here. Okay. Um, it's just it's a way harder to get. You have to yeah. go through a you have to go through a rally of a system just to get it. But over there, you can just go to the shop. Now, I'm not saying I needed CBD. I just wanted to try it. Now, I bought three bottles. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, three bottles. Yeah, I just wanted to try it, so I bought three bottles. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Bit of a contradiction. Well, look, I gotta say, I've never had a better sleep in my life till I took CBD oil. Now, I don't have sleeping issues, but taking CBD oil made me relax. Not relax, but in a really deep sleep. It was, yeah. and when I woke up, oh, it was just the greatest feeling ever. Yeah. I've never had such a good sleep in my life. So but, have you taken it? Did you only take it once? No. So I kind of guinea pigged myself. So I did my own self-study. What I did is I took it for, I took CBD oil for about three months every night, long time, right? Um, I even kept, I even was on a pretty solid dose by the end of it. Now I have been off CBD oil now for about two months. Okay, I have no withdrawals. Like I, I don't feel like I need it. I could go throw it in the bin right now. I still have a bottle in my fridge. I could throw it in the bin. I wouldn't care. But here's the thing. Let's just say, coming back to alcohol, 
if someone drank alcohol every night as much as I did with my CBD oil and then decided to come off it? How likely are they not to have another drink through the week compared to me not having my CBD oil? Yeah. Oh, it's funny because it's a social thing too. Your social pressure, yeah. So you go out, you have a drink, you have a drink with the boys, with your partner, with family, you go to a function, there's always alcohol there, you know, so it's a different beast, alcohol, you know, so, and um, look, with alcohol, let's not give it a bad rap. No, I'm not trying to. With alcohol, like if you... If you're responsible. If you're responsible with it. It's definitely good. Like, I like having a drink, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll definitely have a couple of beers. I like scotch, personally. So, you scotch. Uh, beers, wine, I'll make my own wine. I'm not, su- i got to say, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, no. I'll make my own wine, I'll make my own salami, I'll make everything, yeah. You so still owe me prosciutto. I'll make the prosciutto, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a cup of gola. Yeah, make all of that, yeah. So, uh, so look, we, we like a glass of wine, that's for sure, yeah. And, look, um... Yeah, as long as you don't get addicted, as long as you don't make... Look, I think with all of those things, like with drugs and alcohol, and I've, I've done a lot of that stuff, as, as soon as it starts taking over your life, where you start changing your behaviour to do that stuff, that's the problem. So uh, marijuana's like that. As soon as you start changing your behavior, uh, going to certain places because you know you can smoke, uh, hanging around with certain people, uh, doing certain things, that's when it becomes an issue. I think if, if, it, if it doesn't change the way you are, I think it's fine. Same with alcohol. You know, if you can just have a beer, and, and, but as soon as you change your behavior, I think that's when the problem arises. That's my take on it. Yeah, I um, I personally grew up in a in a household which was alcohol savage. So um, this is getting into a bit of my personal life. I don't mind too much. So every weekend, I'd always be around people that were drinking, and I'd see the way they behave. Yeah. So maybe that's why I've got a bias against it, yeah. just because I, I've only seen the negative to it. Yeah. Um. I have been in social settings where people have drank and had a good time and nothing really happened, which was great. But I think I've got it locked in my mind too much because when you're a kid, your brain is very... That's when the... I forgot what they call it within your brain. It is very, uh, would you say, spongy, I guess. That's just the uh, dumb man's way of saying it. Um, That's when us as kids take most yeah. information in it's when we learn most of our habits years we learn more than we learn for the rest of our lives apparently yeah definitely um so being around that for so long as a child every weekend i guess that's why i only see the negative in it yeah uh, so, yeah i could definitely be biased um i, I, tr- I try not to be biased of course if you're growing up and you're seeing that like I, i'm completely opposite you know so yeah being italian you know, there's always functions, there's always alcohol around. But we fast, like my dad drank every day. So, so he would, because we make our own wine. I mean, I was drinking when I was five years old. Like I'd make the wine and and then drink it straight out of the the press, you know, as a, as a little kid, you know. And um, 
used to always drink wine and I'm not an alcoholic. You know, I don't drink during the week, so. But my dad used to drink every day. And so he used to drink about half a bottle of wine to three quarters of a bottle of wine every single day for wow. lunch. So he used to work at the CSR. And in those days there, he used to bring his lunch and a bottle of wine. And they used to drink it at lunchtime. Sit down, eat, drink, and then continue working. And that was normal for them. And they would all do it. All the Italians would do it. It was just normal. But I never saw my dad drunk. Never once did I see him out of control. Never. Never. No. So it was just a, it's just a traditional, normal thing for him, you know. So alcohol was just, uh, he'd have a beer. As I said, he'd have two free glasses of wine and he'd be fine. I've never seen him drunk. Never, never. He never went to the pub. He never drank, you know. He never went out. Never saw him drunk at a, at a, a wedding or anything, you know. But I just grew up with alcohol around me, you know. I didn't become a drunk. I would make, help make the wine. I'd help make the grappa. I guess it depends in what context you're drinking too. Everyone has a reason why they're drinking. Exactly. So, so if you're drinking to get loose and go out and party, and, and if you go out, I mean, most people, not most, people go out and go, I'm getting smashed tonight. Yeah? What do you think's going to happen? You're going to get smashed, aren't you? You already put it in your head, you know. You're going out there. And they get loose, you know. But it's that fine line of when's enough. Like, when do you feel good? Like, there's a time when you're drinking and you just feel good. And that's when you should stop, yeah? But you don't. Because you you want to feel better. <laughs> you always want to feel a little bit better, you know? And when you then pr- it gets to the point where you cross that line, yeah? And then that's when the disaster happens, yeah? And when you push beyond that line, that's when trouble starts. Of of course, push beyond the line and out after 2 a.m., nothing good comes of it. It's like, uh, what's that old movie, Don't Feed Them After Midnight? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so don't stay out that after 2 a.m. Right? Yeah, the Gremlins, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, don't stay out after midnight and, uh, yeah, for humans, don't stay out after 2. <laughs> no, no, I'm telling you, that's when all the trouble happens. You, you go out, like, here we go out, and I, I still like going out, and we'll go out, and I'll go out after 2, of course, you know, but... You always see that's when the trouble starts. You can just see it. Everyone's a bit on edge, you know. And, you know, everyone's like above, just over that 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 good feeling. And yeah, shit happens. But yeah, nothing you can do. Yeah, as I said, I think I just got a strong bias when it comes to alcohol. But look, I also do enjoy the odd one. I'll have a glass of scotch, and that glass yeah. of scotch will just help me relax a little bit. Yeah. Sort of takes you inhibitions away um not completely just enough to where i can oh just take a breath sit down and if i'm with a friend i don't know it just helps me as you said loosen up a little bit help me the conversation flows a bit more look i don't look at alcohol as bad at all Mm -hmm. i think it's a great like i got you know like i said i love having a beer i love having a not so much a scotch man anymore i don't drink a lot of scotch anymore but definitely beer and wine Man, we go out, we'll bring a bottle of wine, we'll go out to dinner, we'll drink a bottle of wine. Yeah, so, no, definitely got nothing against it. I got nothing against it. I think it's up, it's the individual. It's the individual. As you said, growing up makes a difference, you know. What kind of personality are you too? I believe that um, if you're weak-minded a little bit, and I don't want to sound 
make it sound in a bad Judgmental, way, but yeah. you are. You, there are people who are weak and can't control themselves, and, and that goes through your whole life then also, not just in drinking. I mean, in all sorts of things. Are you weak-minded? Um, you do a lot of a gym and that, don't you? you you're still... Yeah, I train... Um... At the moment, gym-wise, I train three days a week, but I'm doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu twice a week. Nice. Hmm. Now, how mentally strong do you have to do be to do that every day? Yeah, it's tough um, because my day job is physically exhausting. Yeah. And a lot of people that I talk to in my job always tell me, why do you go to the gym? This is enough gym. I say to them, no, it's not. You want to know what gym is? Come with me. I'll, I'll show you what the gym you is. Enjoy. Yeah, oh, 100%. And I understand that people don't necessarily enjoy the gym however i do have a theory on this i just think people haven't found what their exercise is mm. now i enjoy all exercise i yep. enjoy whether it's lifting weights or cardio yep. or self-defense training whatever yep. whatever it may be i've done it all and i enjoy all of it so i'm just that type of person so what do you enjoy about it especially the the you said you're doing some training now, so Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, what do you enjoy about that? So what I enjoy from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is something I enjoy differently from going to the gym and throwing around some weights. So when it comes to the gym, I enjoy the after effect of laying on the floor. I pretty much have a not a ritual, but something that I always do after my workout, just because I pretty much have to. I'm that exhausted. I'll lay on the ground. I'll look at the roof and I'll I'll stare at it, but I'll have a smile on my face because it's an achievement. I feel like I've achieved something. It's something within me. It's like I've squashed my inner bitch. It's Yeah, yeah, no. I, I can see that, yeah. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is more of a mental challenge. I like yep. to challenge myself mentally. Obviously, stay anyone who's doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, also staying safe, taking care of your sparring partner while you're doing it. Yep. But it's mentally challenging to where when I finish it, it's that same feeling. I've achieved something. But I also want to do it because I feel like it's something I can bond over with my son that's eventually born. Yep. It's pretty much the reason I started it. Yep. So when I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, my goal was to train it to a point where by the time he's 10 and I can bring him in, Ten years from now, I don't know what belt. <laughs> you're never a master. You're always learning, no matter what you're doing. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the main reason I started. But it's that achievement that I get. Yep. That inside, you know, it's an outside smile, but it's an inside achievement. I feel there is, well, there's almost no better feeling than the achievement. I'm sure there are better feelings, but we'll keep it a little bit on the. MA fifteen plus side. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Um, that's what it is for me. It's just that inner achievement. Yeah. So setting your goal and that achievement, and that's what I think some people are lacking in life is those goals and achieving something. You know what I mean? And going out and anything that you do, like you do, <clears throat> you do that. I do my stuff. You know what I mean? It's uh Nothing comes easy. So the for me, when I do my stuff, it's the hard work of getting there and then actually sitting back and having achieved it. That's my drug now. 
that's my drug, you know? So you talk about people, drugs and alcohol, and they get that high, and that's what's all you're trying to do. Because really, life's pretty... It, life without your goals and stuff you do is pretty boring. And, and you, people really, all you, most people, all you're doing is you're just surviving. That's all we're doing. We're just waiting to die. You think about it. That's all you're doing. You're just waiting to die. And it's the journey in between, you know. So, and then, so you want to get those highs in life. You know, you want to get those highs. How, how, how far or or short between they are. You know, you want to get those highs because in between that, what are you doing? You're going to work. I mean, yeah, I enjoy my job. You know what I mean, but. If I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't be doing it, you know what I mean? So in between, and then there's miseries in life. There's It's hard work, you know, paying your bills and doing all that, and then we try to achieve those highs. You get it through your, your gym work and that, and now your podcast and the acting, you know, like the acting that that's how we first met, you know, yes. through acting, if we call it acting. But uh, that's how, and that's how we get our highs, you know. So, and so you you got to try to find those things in life that give you those highs. Some people haven't got them, so they use the drugs, and they use the alcohol to get those highs, you know. But um, I think when you're using that that kind of drugs or alcohol, when you come down, it, it's a sad world, you know. So that's what I think. That's what I think. That's that's what I do. I, I I find things in life, and everything that I do is hard work. Getting there, nothing comes easy. It, it's hard work getting there. But gee, when you do get it, there's such highs, you know. And I get that now with my, you know, my acting or my my podcast, you know, which is big for me now. You know what I mean? That's where I get my highs from. Yeah. How is acting going for you, anyway? The podcast Act, acting. The acting. So with the acting, well, the acting, uh, it's fun. It's fun. I enjoy the acting. Um, that's how I was saying. That's how we first met. Do you remember how we first met? Yeah, we are. Uh, look, I'll put it this way: we weren't exactly on camera. That's all. No, no, no. So it was a, it was a sports bet. Yeah, a sports bet. Yeah, yeah well, so uh, extra sports bet. Uh, I think it was the one that probably most people will remember is the one. It's the wheelie bin race. Yeah. Right. You can find that on YouTube if you want yeah, to find it. Yeah, so if you go on YouTube, there's a Willie Bin race, and then if you look in the crowd in the back and you squint your eyes and you look right in the corner, you might see two guys just standing there. Uh, so, yeah, so we spent all day there. Ten hours. Ten hours, and we're probably, well, well, we're not even really on camera. No, look, I actually, if you, there is a scene where if you pause it. Yeah, you've got to pause it, enlarge it. <laughs> And you really look in the background. If you can see, because I did notice I was the only one wearing a green jumper that day. Yeah, yeah. If you look out for the green jumper, then you've seen yeah, me. Look, there is, everyone's holding yellow and green, you yeah, know, right. shenanigan well, things. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at those. Just look out for the person wearing the green jumper yeah. and squint as hard as you can. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's how it is. That's how, that's how most of the extra work and that is, you know. But, um. So now with the extra work, I, I don't do a lot of it anymore. I don't do any. Yeah. So I won't do anything that's like you got to hang around like that shit. So if, if a job comes up where like I did do a sports bet ad just two weeks ago, so um, it was more of a, 
it's it's I, I think they're stirring the Italians for not making the World Cup, so it's set in an Italian restaurant and it's it's a bit it was only a couple of hours so i'll do something like that you know but if it's just like oh do you want to be an extra in la Bria, which they, they keep calling me for it's a, it's a series on tv or something i just i haven't got time anymore i mean that my new just my my show takes me takes about 20 or 30 hours a week to do to get that up and going every week so i just haven't got time for that but if a, if an acting gig comes up yeah I love it. I love it. I love doing. Well, I love being someone else and going out there doing those student films. How good a day sometimes. Yeah, I still do a lot of those because I think that's how. That's kind of your hard. That's your hard grind. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta get through that. And honestly, and, that's the best way you'll find out who you are as an oh, actor. I learned so much. Mm. I learned so much about um, about acting and learning and um, you know, through those student films, and you're helping them. Mm. And they're helping you because you're learning scripts and you're actually like doing something, you know. And half the time, you, well, 80% of the time, you're not even getting paid for it, you know. So, but it really doesn't matter, you know. So, it's not about the money. Mm. But even with the extra work, when, when we were doing it, I actually enjoyed it. Like, I learned so much, you know what I mean? Like, it was a real big buzz, you know. But then I got over it, you know. But, you know, that, that extra work was fun, you know, behind the scenes, you know, like getting to meet people. And that was the other thing, meeting people, you know, like I met you mm. and we're still friends after what, five years or four years or whatever. Yeah, five years now. Because of that one day, you know, so you meet there, yeah. How did you start? What was your first gig? What did you, what did you do? Do you remember? Extra or acting? Anything. So my first extra gig was with you. That was my oh, first. Oh, was that your first? That one? was my oh, first yeah. one. That was my first one. My first acting gig. So my first acting gig was a student film. It was oh, it was recorded in the woods. I can't remember where it was, but it was basically meant to be about these uh casting directors or scriptwriters or something. They were trying to figure out what type of movie they should write. So you had all these script writers sitting around a table coming up with ideas. Yep. And then one girl puts her end up saying, oh, I've got an idea. How about this couple gets lost in the woods and then it cuts and then it cuts to me and this, you know, my wife, you know, we're lost in the woods, you know, yeah. our car broke down, blah, 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 that cliche story. That was my first one. Nice. Um, it's fun, isn't it? It is definitely fun. I actually had, this was pretty recently, I spoke to it about, I spoke to it with my friend who came on the podcast. Um, I had an epiphany with acting. Um, I told him, and I've told a lot of people this, that even if, and I'll stick to my guns any day on this, if Hollywood, <laughs> massive long shot, if even if it happened, but if Hollywood were to call upon me, I actually wouldn't answer the door. Not with the way it is. I think, look, to me personally, I think to get accepted in Hollywood you have to change who you are. Like you have to go by their values. You have to go by their ways. And to even get cast for anything, you have to be in the good books of everyone or else you'll be pushed to the side. And it's a very snake-like environment. Of course. And I wish there was something else. Like I wish there was like a Hollywood 2.0, whereas everyone is just accepted for the way they are your personality. You know, you know, you don't have to agree on everything. You don't have yeah. to be this extreme, extreme to the left person yeah. just to be accepted. I wish everyone was just, they are the way they are and that's it. Yeah. Don't worry about who they are. 
they're playing a character. If they can play that character well, if they can act, that's what matters. Not who they are on the outside. If they can act and if they can put on a fucking good performance, that's what matters. That's that's society, but it's the way it's going. But the good thing about now is that you don't need... There's so many mediums out there now. You don't need Hollywood, like get to Hollywood. I mean, that's like, that's that's like not even real, you know, like trying to get to Hollywood or something like that. That's not, not what it's all about. But if you do enjoy the acting, uh, doing even this stuff, you know, like there is so many mediums out there that you can get your, you know, you can be creative and you can do your stuff, you know what I mean? And and maybe you can make a living out of it if you, if you do put enough effort into it, you know? So that's what's that's what's good about it now, you know? So as I said, with TikTok and YouTube and, you know, even my show, like, like I would never think that I could start a show and, um, and it grew so popular in two years, you know? And it's pretty much me and my couple of mates of mine sitting in a studio talking like we are now and uh and all of a sudden you're getting like a fan base and and you're getting it and i i don't think that was possible five years ago or or 10 years ago you know what i mean but now you know like you know your dreams can come true you can do something you know with so many mediums out there now well i enjoy conversations that's why I'm doing this. I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy talking about relative facts and I enjoy talking about thoughtful uh, yep. um, subjects, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be exactly in my wheelhouse. I could know nothing about it, but I'd still like talking about it and learning about it. Um, getting to your podcast, what made you want to do yours? Was it specifically because you're a Kelton fan? <laughs> Oh. Look, it started at that, and it was pretty much like the way it started was it was a, a pretty much um, like just it was opportunity. That's what life's about. It's about opportunity it? and taking it, you know. So you don't know when when someone's going to come knocking at your door, and then and then when they do, is have you got the balls to go out and do something, you know? So the way it started for me was was it started about two and a half years ago or yeah uh the bloke who runs the channel blue abroad he's a great man and this bloke was a successful lawyer and then one day anyway long story living living abroad you know and he started this channel and he and he do he do reviews of the carlton games overseas and he had like two people watching you know and then one day he just had a dream that he wanted to start a channel because fan channels are pretty big overseas for especially soccer arsenal things like that so they got like million subscribers this is just a fan channel it's got nothing to do with the football club this is just a fan channel you know so he had that dream so he came back and and he started the channel and it started to grow and they overseas they've got this thing where they do fan cam outside the ground so he started doing that and what happened was COVID hit so no more games so mm. he thought ah, everything's gone to shit here and then he thought you know what what I'll do is I'll do a bit of a fan cam after the game just 
just you know like people can call in on video and we can talk about the game and that's what he did and and it really became a hit you know after the game people would ring up and then be on there and and then Carl if anyone follows the blues uh yeah we've been pretty disappointed over the last five ten twenty years so everyone's pretty nice about it never wanted to say anything and then one day i just got fed up you know and my son's going to me ring him up ring him up and i go nah man if i ring him up i'm just going to get upset you know like we just lost another game to collingwood you know like i'm i'm all down so i end up ringing up and as soon as i rang up i just went off i just went you know like this is rubbish like they're they're just pathetic you know like there's no leaders out there i just went off and I become a bit of a hit, like everyone was, was uh, uh, you know, sending messages saying, "Oh, this Rocco talks the truth," you know. And then Terry got a hold of me and said, "You know, just uh, if you don't mind, if if you want to come on every week, we, you know, you can have a chat." And then I became friends with uh, with uh, one of my um, with one of the blokes who was also a regular there, Pommy, and we started. Months later, we started our little show, The Jumper Punch, and we would just get on Skype or, you know, like on some video call, and we would just talk about all sorts of stuff. And we, we stayed together three, four months, and then we kind of just wanted to do different things. And I always had this idea of The Jumper Punch, how I wanted it to be, you know. So I got together with a couple of blokes, and we built up a studio and it was three wogs. It's pretty much three wogs sitting down. We start off, we have short blacks, we drink, we drink limoncello and we drink, uh, we drink on, 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 you know, on our, we've got a table and we bring our food and we eat and we talk about the game. And it's pretty, pretty basically that. And it started really raw and, and now it's got to the stage where we've got sponsors and, and um, we have guests last year. I interviewed a player every week, you know, and uh, yeah, and that's how it really much it started, and that's that's what made me do it, you know. So it was pretty much opportunity, and then went bang into, um, yeah, it kind of puts you into a corner, and all of a sudden you're in, you're going in one direction, and before you know it, it's two years down the track, and yeah, we built this uh, little community. Yeah, one phone call it was one phone call, and my son was saying to me. Call him, call him, you know, you know. And if I didn't call him, I would have never met him and never got that opportunity, and then never it would never have snowballed into what it is now. And now it's not only have I made great friends, um, we have a great time. We have a great time, and now I do all the editing and 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 all that, you know, and, and get the show ready. So yeah, as I said, remember I was saying before about the highs, you know, like it's hard work. It, I spend countless hours during the week getting the whole show ready and putting it up but um the end result yeah it's a high it's a high it's that intangible it's quite motivating actually for anyone who's listening to to this i think it's quite motivating that just one phone call can change your life so much um that's why i think if there's ever an opportunity you should take it no matter how small or how big it is if it's something you want i just think take it because look if you take it and it doesn't work out the worst thing that can happen is okay it didn't work out you tried don't die wondering don't die wondering like just go out there and do it like what's the worst thing that can happen if you want to do something like i'll, I'll give you another thing 
and life's hard because we've all got responsibilities and you just can't go out and be a bum and want to paint pictures of trees. Unless that's what you want to do. Hey? If you want to do that, why yeah, not? Well, if you do want to do that, but if you've got responsibilities, I mean, you've got certain responsibilities. I, you know, I've got a family, you know, that I look after and, and blah, I've got bills to pay. So I just, I would love just to not go to work anymore and just concentrate on on the show and mm. see what you could do with it. But I kind of got to balance it, you know. But, you know, like um, you get that opportunity, go out there and take it because you don't want to you don't want to die wondering what's like I said what's the worst that can happen you know so if you if you're passionate oh, oh, this is what I was going to say so they they say I don't know how they got this survey but I, I think they they kind of surveyed people on their deathbeds and it was uh regret the one regret you know and it's working so what, what what's the one thing you would do and they said I wouldn't work as much Mm. I wouldn't work as much, you know what I mean? And if if I ask you this question, if there's one thing that you could change now, what would it be, you know? like? And yeah, I know what it is, what I'd change, 100%. Yeah, I know. And For it's... me, it would be work because that money thing is what controls you now, so you can't really do what you want to do, you know what I mean? So um, it, it, would I, like I like my job. But if I could change it and do what I really wanted wanted to do, so if you had one year to live, what would you do? And most people say, "Yeah, I'll quit my job and I'll do." So why don't you do that now? What's stopping you doing that now? Mm. But it's not that easy, you know. You've got commitments, and so you try to fit everything in, yeah. But in saying that, I'm telling you, man. It, Man, if you want to do something, just just do it, man. Just take it with both hands and go for it, man. You're right. Nothing in life is easy. Um, if it was easy, everyone would do it. That's true. the thing. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would be doing a podcast. Everyone would be Joe Rogan. Yeah, he's a star, that bloke, man. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Hey? Shout out to Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. If you want to come on, jump a punch, we'll have you on any day. <laughs> Don't um, think he's accountant supporter, though. No, I don't think he's a car, but I can make him a car supporter. But he's Italian. We, we made Robbie Williams a car supporter. I don't know how that happened. But he's Italian. He is Italian. He's Italian, yes. There you go. The Italian club. But like we're saying, if if it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, and that's what makes doing these things great because they are hard, you know what I mean? They are hard. And, and then after you put in the work, that satisfaction, just like you were laying on the ground and you're satisfied after your workout, that's what it's about. And it's about getting those moments of satisfaction, yeah? A lot of people like to halfway it too. Now, I actually won't stop until I feel the need to lay on the ground. Now, yeah. I'm not saying every workout has to be like that yeah. because there is a point you can take your body to. And if you take it there every day, it's not a good thing because your body does need rest. It does. Of course. Of but, course. And your mind. Yeah, it does. 100%. Now, I do train in the gym three days a week and I'm at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu twice a week. But the week has seven days. There's okay. two days where I'm actually just, I, I'm just not doing anything. I'm not doing any sort of training. I'll stretch. I'll stretch a bit. I'll foam roll a bit. I'll have an ice bath, but it's got nothing to do with me physically exerting myself 
to the point where I'm laying on the floor. I won't do it. But when those days come, don't half-ass it. Like, as you said, anything in life, you really have to grab a hold of it. 100%. Because if you half-ass, like my training, if I half-ass my training, I'm going to get half-ass results. That's exactly right. And that's exactly right. And that's how you should approach everything. Like, I try to approach everything like that now. And, I mean, I've had a shift of the way I think and the way my life's gone in maybe the last six years or so. That was when the big shift happened. You know, a few things happened in my life and that's when the shift happened. But, um, yeah, so I, if you've got to do it, I don't know, put everything into it and try to get the best result possible, you know, and don't stop until you get it, you know. Have you always had this kind of mindset or is there something that happened to you or is there some sort of stage in your life that made this click, that made you say, hang on, the way I've been thinking about it is wrong and I need to get a fucking hold of this right now. 100% and that's what happened, you know, like as I said, see what happens is life gets in the way. So to me it was like, you're young and you've got all these ambitions and that and then life gets in the way, yeah? Uh, You get married, you get a house, you have kids and then that's what stops most people. Now, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's what stops most people. You become complacent. You do. And you've got to do... And then... And I'm a responsible person. I look after my people. And there's nothing wrong. They are. Even now, I look after all my family. I look after, I look after everybody. I am the provider of everybody. That's the way I look at myself, you know. Um, so, but then it got to a stage in life where I said to myself, I, I always use this analogy, the aeroplane analogy. If the if the plane is going down and you're sitting there with your kids, right, and the plane starts to go down, right, and those are pretend bloody air masks come down which absolutely do nothing i think but that one of those air masks comes down what do you do do you put the air mask on the kid or do you put it on yourself first i put it on the kid first 100 percent. no you can't because if you die you you're no good you're no good to anybody you have to look after yourself first so they always say you put the mask on yourself first then you look after the people around you if you do that and then you collapse, what good are you? So you have to look after yourself first. And if you don't look after yourself first, how can you possibly look after the people around you? I suppose I haven't flown enough to know that. No, no, but you know what I mean. And that's that was my attitude. So I was, I was a little bit selfish in a way in the things I did a while back. But I thought I need to start looking after myself. I need to start making myself happy because I was getting miserable. And then it's very easy to stay in that state of mind until you die. And then you go, what do you regret? And you go, oh, I regret working too much and not doing what I wanted to do. So I sat there and I had to make some hardcore decisions and I did. And it changed my whole mindset on how I approach things now, you know, so... I approach things where I have to look after myself. I have to make myself happy because, again, if I'm not happy, how can I make my kids happy? You know what I mean? If I'm not doing those things that I want to do and I'm achieving those goals, how can I expect them to do it? You know? 
So that's the way. So there was this mindset where it was a big change about six years ago. And yeah, I sat down and I just went, no, it's time to look after me. Can I ask what that was? I got, I split up with my wife about six years ago. Now, in saying that, we still get along very, very well. I still go over. She, last week I was there doing maintenance at the house, you know. So we still get along. We talk every day. The kids are doing great. They, they come back and forth like my son. He just comes and goes whenever he wants, you know. Like I think we've got a, a great relationship. She's a great woman, uh, probably too good for me. So, you know, but... We spend a lot of time. We spend nearly 30 years together, so it's not like... So we still get along great. We still get along great. But again, it was that moment there where, listen, you just grow apart. And it was time to, like, start uh, thinking about myself a little bit. And that's what happened. That was the, the mind change. So, yeah, so we had we had a hard talk. We had a deep talk, yeah, and then we, we, we made plans to move on and then from that point onwards, yeah, I've got to this stage now. I think everyone in their life sometimes need that mind-altering stage in their life. Yeah. I think everyone who's doing something with their lives has it. They have that event in their life that makes them think, wait. But then do you do something about it? Yeah, not That's everyone the whole does. thing, you know. So are you are you strong enough to do something about it? You know what I mean? Because again, they come that I don't want to say people are weak, or they're not because different circumstances and that. But are you strong enough to do that? To to take that that you know to take that chance or to change or to be honest with yourself. That was the other thing. You've got to be honest with yourself. You know. So as soon as you, I think anything in life that the first thing is to be honest with yourself. And if you are honest with yourself, yeah, you can make those changes, yeah. I would like to uh, say to people who are listening that while I 100% agree with everything Rocco was saying, what I would like to say is take on challenges, but don't overfill your plate. So take on as much as you can. If you've got a lot going on in your life, like for example, as you brought up, if you're married and you've got kids and you've got a mortgage and so you've got a full-time job. You can't just leave. No, 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 no. <laughs> but even if you can spare one hour to do something towards your dreams, that one hour by the end of, to say it's every day, by the end of the week becomes seven hours. Okay? 100%. And there's 365 days in a year. So that is 365 hours. In that one year, you have just spent on whatever your goal is, and that is a lot of hours. And it, it it accumulates and it does make a dent into whatever you want. And it's better off spending 365 hours in that one year towards your goal than spending zero. 100%. 100%. Exactly right. So, yeah. Yeah, def definitely. Like, be honest with yourself. Go for it. As you said, like, yeah. Yeah, you you got responsibilities, you got things you got to do. You got to live life like you know, life's as I said before, life's hard, man. Life's hard. The day-to-day -day grime of life is hard and it can bring anyone down. And that's what life's there for. It's there to bring you down. Remember the Rocky speech? 
I was going to bring that up. Yeah. That's not so how hard speech. you can that's hit. That's a great speech, you know, as much as, like, that's a great speech. Life will bring you down, you know, and, and you've just got to you just got to keep getting up. Do you know the speech? Yeah. I Come on. Know it. I, Come I, on, you're an Italian. No, no, I, 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 I would have to look at it again, but I, I did know it. It's I not how know, hard you can hit. Things, but yeah, it's, it's how it's hard you speech. can get hit and keep moving forward. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Sorry, I have to say it. What I think about it, i got to say it. Oh, it's a great... It's one of the best motivational speeches that's probably been out there. That... Oh, there's a few out there, but... Uh, yeah, no, I love it. And, and it's true, man. You've got to keep moving forward. Because guess what, man? One day, it'll all be over. Mm. And that's it. That's it. There's no guarantee that there's anything after this. So just make the most of what you see in front of you, yeah? That's why, look, I'm not trying to judge people that are in my kind of industry. I'll, so I'm in the logistics warehouse industry. I absolutely loathe it. I, I hate it so much. But I do it because, like, yeah, i got responsibilities. It pays the bills. But one thing I don't understand... Now, I work with people that will always say, yeah, the money's great, I don't mind it, but I don't get how they don't work towards something else. Like, this is it for them. That's it. Like, what they're doing now, that's it. I'll talk to people that have been in it for 25 years, which makes me think, wait, you've been in this for 25 years, which is 25 years of you not trying something else, even if it's for that one hour a day. Yeah. That is so many hours. Well you know, and a lot of people like that, you know what I mean? And as I said, it's pretty much the grind of life and just getting through life, you know, that's and that's all they're trying to do. They're just trying to get through the day-to-day, the week-to-week, the year-to-year. But what happens there is, before you know it, 20, you're 50, 20 you're years, 20 years goes by. Mm. You know, but again, we can't judge them. And I great respect for all those people, you know what I mean? Even the bloke who... Um, washes the windscreens at the lights, you know, like people say they're, mate, at least he's out there. Trying. He's, he's trying. trying something. And I'll give him a dollar to do that, you know. But if you're begging me and you're not doing anything, I don't know, man. Do something. At least dance, you know. <laughs> Show me something. And then, I'll, you, know, you know what I mean? At least they're doing something, you know what I mean? So, And it's the same with, like you said, the factory workers and that. But again... I think if you could speak to these people, they've all got dreams. It'd be interesting to know why you don't you don't pursue them. You know. Well, yeah, that is interesting. Why they don't pursue them? I. It's hard. It it is hard, but it's, hard. it's to me it's harder not to do something. To me, yes. it's harder. So you've got that attitude, but. Yeah, and sometimes, like, look, I um, I have asked. There was one person I used to work with and I tried to get through to him. I said to him, you know, so what do you like to do? That's the first thing I asked him. What do you like to do outside of here? He said to me, oh, I like to watch TV. I go, okay. No, no, no. I said to him, okay, if you like to watch TV, have you ever thought, and he also liked to go to the movies and stuff. I said, have you ever thought of creating a YouTube channel where you review these things? Yep. Right? Because you like doing that so much. That's actually a route you could take where you could talk about it. And he's think, and straight away he was like, nah, nah. And I said to him, why, why don't you want to do it? He goes, and he said to me straight away, because I don't want to. All he wants to do is sit on the couch and watch movies. And that's it. So, And to me, like, look, I'm not trying to judge people that want to do that. If that's you, that's you. You know, that that's what you want to do, fine. But to me, personally, subjectively, 
that would kill me inside. It, re it would really kill me inside because I have a great force within my head that won't let me do nothing. Yep. If I'm, I actually can't do nothing. I have to either be sitting there reading a book that's feeding me knowledge. I've got a little uh, bookshelf right over there filled with books on knowledge. Yep. Um, I don't really read a lot of novels. Just yeah, I won't read novels. I, I'm I'm more of a I'm more read books on psychology, neurology, or history, or something that's very educational. Because I feel like it's feeding me. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. I go to the gym because I feel like yep. it's feeding. I'm always trying to improve. Yeah. And when and I not hear everyone can be like that. I know. I know. Look, it is a certain Some mindset. Some people are just happy to watch TV. I know. I guess. And I guess you know I, what? I. I just don't I have that mindset. I respect those people. I wish I was happy just to watch TV. I wish I could it's relax. It's all about being happy at the end of the day. Mm. And if that's yeah. what makes you happy, really happy, well, all power to you, you know. So, I guess for me is I have a unrelaxed mentality. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. So when we're in Hawaii sitting on the beach, my mind was going to, I wish I had a book on me to read right now because I'm, mm. it could be, I don't know why, it could be some sort of, mental issue I have that's gone undiagnosed but I always feel like I have to be pushing myself yep. um, as I said even on my weekends I'm having ice baths I'm stretching I'm rolling out so it's physically improving me yep. for when I'm going back to quote unquote war again yep. I'm always trying to do something yep. I can't sit still unless I'm sleeping and even sleeping to me means something so when I sleep I actually wear eye shades and earplugs so I completely sensory yeah i completely uh de what's the word i'm looking for diminish my senses so i can get the best sleep possible yep i also don't like to be in any sort of light an hour or two outside of bedtime i'm always doing something yep. that's out of the norm i'm always trying to push further that's good now could this be because, I don't know, when I was younger, I wasn't pushing for things and maybe I was a little bit judged on it by, you know, my, my older brother. Look, I actually, I, I'll never forget this. So when I was a kid, I had, I remember I had a goal and it was the first ever major goal that I knew I wanted. And I said to my mum that I want to do this. I would love to do it. And she said to me, if you do this, me and your dad would disown you. That was, and that was the first thing. And then from, and I think I was only like 12 when I said that. And then that was like just before my high school years. And that pretty much depleted everything for me. Yeah. And then I never really tried for anything. And then yeah. because I never really tried... That's when my grades weren't the best. And then, you know, people always saying, oh, he doesn't do the greatest, which brings me into my adulthood where I've done the complete 180 to that because people were saying that. And now I want to do nothing but push forward. Yeah. 
So it's yeah, so that was that probably that point that changed everything for you, yeah. Your mindset. Yeah. Mm. But I think people need that. I think people need that mindset change that'll push them further. That'll help them. Look, it doesn't need to be as sad as mine or as, you know, parent parental neglecting as mine. <laughs> yeah. It it can even be a positive thing. Yeah. But it just there just needs to be that switch that changes everything. Definitely, definitely. That switch, yeah. And it and can be having knows. a kid. It can be even something as having a kid. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And I'm not knows. saying to anyone to have a kid. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I'd say is I think you need to surround yourself with as much positivity and with the most positive people and get rid of the negative around you as much as possible. So the other switch for me was anything negative or anyone negative can uh, fuck off. It's simple. That should be on a T-shirt. If you're negative, fuck off. That's it. That's the one. That's the one. And because, listen, most people will try to bring you down. Do you think people try and bring you down because... They're ashamed, not ashamed, but they feel bad because they can't bring themselves up. Yeah, so that's exactly right. That's the way I feel. I feel that people bring you down to bring them to make themselves feel better. So if you're at one level in your life, most people aren't happy that you're succeeding. I'm telling you, most people want your misery in your life. They don't care about you. Most people don't care. If you could find half a dozen people that care about you, you're a lucky person. Most people don't care. They want to see you fail. That That's the way I feel. I feel most people want to see you fail. Most people aren't genuinely happy for you because they're miserable themselves. Mm. You know, So they want to bring you down to make themselves feel better or look better. Why do you think people love reality TV and seeing these absolute morons on TV because they look at them and they go, I'm better than that. And they feel better, you know? Um, so. I think those people become the Instagram influencers. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Which I loathe, by the way. Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't get that either. There's just no talent there at all. And I was having a conversation with my wife. I was saying to her how... Someone I know is becoming one of these Instagram people. So what she did, she uh, took a photo of herself, right, yeah. in a bikini. Yeah. But she captioned it, new blonde hair. And my first thought was, you know no one's fucking looking at your blonde hair. Yeah, you course. know what you're doing. And this type of behavior and quote-unquote influencing, it's not influencing. It's you trying to get attention because you have – you're trying to seek – acceptance that's all it is and it makes me sad that this is becoming the norm and this is becoming the new celebrityism well i and i i think it'll it'll die hopefully it will it will you I, know, I think it'll die hey if it, ai it if ai become a thing yeah i will put my thumbs up if that's the first human civilization yeah, will, to get wiped out they won't care about your ass you know? <laughs> nah yeah and unfortunately Listen, if these influence, you see them most of the time, 
it's a sturdy old man looking at them, right? That's all it is at the end of the day, and that's how they're getting their views and that. And um, but unfortunately, it's a big thing now, and they make money out of it. That's the problem. That's what makes me up. Oh, that makes me sick. That really makes me and sick. Real talented people. Yeah, actual talented people will not get recognised. People who are actually working their ass off every day are not getting recognised, but because yeah. this guy with abs and massive biceps with yeah. long blonde hair and blue eyes is running along the beach or a girl with nice peachy cheeks is showing them off on a beach, yeah. it, that is recognised and that is where the money is thrown. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I um, I think I'm definitely living in the wrong generation, or I was brought up in the wrong generation because yeah. most people I talk to who are most, I say, I'm not everyone, who I talk to about this sort of thing, and I tell them how much it frustrates me. They go, "Oh, you just need to get with the times. It's the way it is now." And I'm, no, I do not. I do not need to get with the times. Yeah, they're kind of right. They're kind of right in a way. You do have to. You do have to get with the times or else you do fall behind. But you don't have to agree with all of it, you know what I mean? So, look, you do have to get with the times in a way where I use it to advance me, you know. So, you know, I I was at work with technology until three years ago, you know. But I've had to learn about TikTok and and YouTube and all sorts of stuff, you know. So you do have to get with the times, but... You don't have to agree with all of it, you know. So oh, I don't but trust TikTok. If you TikTok. don't, you'll fall behind. Mm. You yep. don't want to be that bloke who just no. Yeah, you know, like you don't want to be that bloke. No, look, I'm not saying social media is a bad thing. It definitely has its benefits. Helps us stay connected. Um, yeah, it's also one of those things where if you are a talented person, like actual talent, I don't know, maybe you're a really good guitar player or a yep. really good actor. or or I don't know, you're a really good painter. You could show your work online, 100%. and people and it does could help a lot of those people, you know, because you can get out there and you can get to you can get to so many people now, mm. where you never had that opportunity ten years ago. But those are the people who aren't recognised, which is what frustrates me. Unfortunately, it is what it is now. Yeah, and get onto TikTok and you'll see like exactly what it is. But anyway. Let's just worry about what we can do with it. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so let's. Uh, as I've said, I use it to uh, to help me out, and I've learned a lot from it. I've had to. Like I'm 52, so you think I'm a dinosaur, but I've been trying to keep up with stuff. Like I've got good friends that tell me, oh, at least you, <laughs> at least you're trying to keep up with stuff, and I do. I try to keep up with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, I as I said, I just, I don't think I can't, if that is what is, I don't think I'll ever keep up with the times. Um, yeah, yeah, I just wish people were more recognized for what they can bring to the plate, talent-wise, not. But I think it's always been the case. I think it's always been the case. Not everyone gets recognized for for their talents and that. I'm sure even in the old days, there was plenty of people with talent out there that never got recognised, you know, so... Yeah. 
So as I said, but these days it's good. There's lots of mediums out there. If you want to do something, you can do something. You know what I mean? Uh, don't worry about these people that are using it their way. Just worry about, you know, the good way you can use it. Yeah. So I, I think it, it gives it gives a lot of people a lot of opportunities now to do stuff. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all that. You can use it to your advantage now, yeah. So it's definitely helped me, you know, so. Um, yeah. Did you want to wrap this up? Yeah. Um, before we wrap I mean, it up. I can talk to you all day. How oh. long have we been going for? Uh, almost two hours. Wow. Um, before we wrap this up, two did you? Two hours of talking shit. <laughs> before we wrap this up, did you want to plug your YouTube channel? Yeah, nah, so definitely if you want to get on, it's uh, the Jumper Punch. So that's on the Blue Abroad channel. We've also got our own channel called the jumper punch so that's got all the interviews on there so last year we interviewed uh about 30 different players so everyone from champions like uh uh big john nichols and sid jackson and david reese jones and anthony kudafidis and Ange christu and and uh jared wait we interviewed them all so and um yeah so get on there subscribe and uh, check out the interviews. And next year is going to be bigger and better. So we've got some big stuff happening. Uh, there's going to be a different format again. And and um, yeah, interviews are going to be a bit different. So we've got some big names next year. So if anyone knows the Carlton Football Club, number 1 to 25 next year we'll be interviewing. So the best players from in those individual numbers, 1 to 25. So you can just imagine what sort of players are going to be coming onto the show next year, yeah. And even if you're not a Kelton fan, you can still check it out. No, no, you can check it out. As I said, it's a bit like the the front bar. Um, as I said, we have, uh, we've got plenty of segments on there that aren't Carlton related, you know. We've got Banana of the Week where we, uh, where we uh, grab the biggest banana of the week and we give them a nice bloody... A nice uh, pasting. Uh, we've got a segment called Makakatsu in Italian. That means what the what the hell? So we show some funny videos and that. And uh, yeah, so there's plenty for everybody. All right, Rocco. Thank you for joining me on the 3D session. Thank you. Thank you, my friend.